Praise the Lord. Good to hear good music, isn't it? Amen. To brighten your soul, make you alive. Amen. There's going to be a lot of singing and playing of instruments in heaven. Did you know that? Can't wait to get there. Hallelujah. Can't wait to see David play his harp. Amen. Sing praises unto God. We're going to be singing some of the psalms that we uh, read about in the, uh, in the Bible. So we'll be singing those. Be good to hear. I know that one. Oh, yeah, I read about that one. Praise God. Amen. I'd sing it, but I don't want to, you know, have everybody leave, so I'll just talk about it. Praise God. Well, let's pray about today's message. I hope it's going to touch your heart and just be a, a change in your life. So, Father, we just thank you that as we come together today, we're able to hear words that will change our lives, give us a new determination, a new purpose, and a plan for our lives. And so, Father, for this, we give you the praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. And all agreed said, Amen. Amen. Well, the title of today's message is, What in the World Are You Doing? <laughs> Have you heard somebody tell you that? My mom used to say that to me, what, son, what in the world are you doing? But in this content, context, it's more what in this world are you doing, right? Because the Bible says but we are in this world, but we're not of it. We have a heavenly calling, but we have an earthly assignment. What's our assignment? To bring people closer to the Lord, to glorify him, to bring people to the knowledge of the Son of God. Praise God. I, I do that when I play basketball. I tell them, in fact, we're playing basketball. We're talking about scriptures as we're playing. And that's kind of hard because I'm playing with a Muslim guy and a Jewish guy. And, you know, we're trying to match as we're playing. And then finally I just said, you know, I'll, I'll uh, email you the, the, the scriptures, okay? <laughs> I can't concentrate. But in Psalms 139, the Bible says that all of our days are numbered and are written in his book before even one of them ever came to be. What does that mean? That all of our days, everything that we were supposed to do is in a book in heaven. Can you imagine? It's your story. I, don't you want to open up that book and find out what's in it? Well, God will reveal it to you. He's not going to show you the whole book, but he'll reveal it to you step by step, day by day. As you go through life, God's saying, this is the way you're supposed to go. This is what you're supposed to do. I'm going to empower you. I'm going to grant you favor. Amen? And then you look back and you go like, oh, I see where you were taking me. I understand now. But all of our days are numbered. And check this out in Ephesians. It says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works that God has preordained that we should walk in them. That's Ephesians 2.10. So I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, our days are numbered and our works are planned out. So our mission, if we choose to accept it, is to fulfill the work that God has already planned for us. You, you don't have to try to figure it out. He's already laid it out for us. Isn't that good news? The steps of a good man are what? Ordered by the Lord. And so he's already put that desire on the inside of you to do what he has called you to do. It's not difficult. Just look on the inside. Find out what God is causing you or provoking you to do. My, like, for instance, my wife and I, we went to go visit her aunt in Oceanside on Friday. She broke her hand. She's got a little neuropathy in her leg. So we went to visit her, and we were talking. We said, well, Aunt Bernie, what are you going to do when you get you know, your health back? She goes, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. I go, well, my message this week is, what in the world are you doing? 
So I said, all you have to do is look inside yourself. What do you like to do? She says, well, I like to drive around and I like to visit people and I like to talk to them about the Lord. I go, well, that's perfect. That, what you do is there's a ministry at her church in 29 Palms where they will go out if somebody is uh, not able to cook for themselves or take care of themselves. They'll bring f meals to them morning, noon, and night, and then she could talk about the Lord to them while she's doing that. She goes, that's a great idea. She says, then we'll fulfill, I'll be able to fulfill what's in Malachi chapter 3. I go, what's in Malachi chapter 3? You might ask the same thing. Well, let's see it up on the screen here. Malachi 3.16 says, Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. Can you believe that? Dee, can you believe that? When we're talking about the Lord, the Lord says, Oh, I'm going to check this out. I'm going to listen. You know, have you ever had somebody talk about you in another room, and you, you try to listen and see what they're saying? Sometimes my wife would be talking to my son, and sometimes it's not too complimentary. I go, who are you talking about? <laughs> I want to defend myself. But God said, when you talk about him, he, he listens, he hears. And check this out. A book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. He writes it in a book. All the times that you were talking about him. And I look at some commentary, and they say, well, that's not a literal book. You know, God doesn't need a book to remember, but you know who needs to remember? We do. Yes. That book is for us when we get to heaven, and he opens it up and goes, look at all the times that you were glorifying me and speaking good things about me. Praise God. And then there are books in heaven. Did you know that? In Revelation 20, verse 11 through 12, it says, And I saw the dead, small and great, I'm one of the small, and great, Standing before God and books were open. They're, plural. There were some books up there. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. In the books. In the books. There's books up there. You're in the book. You got a book of your own life story. Isn't that good news? So we want to look at some things that... Um, you know, pe people are remembered uh, for things that they have done, things that uh, are exciting or memorable. Even here on earth, when you look at some people, uh, you remember them for highlights of their life. For instance, when I mention JFK, what do you think about? JFK Jr. JFK Jr. All right, now let's tuck that under, okay? Uh, <laughs> huh? John Fitzgerald Kennedy, I think of when he said, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Very memorable speech, right? When you think about Martin Luther King, what do you think about? I have a dream where little white boys and little black uh, boys can walk together and uh, they are not judged on the, the uh, color of their skin, but on the content of their character. Memorable, isn't it? And now my son said, Dad, can you get some little up, more updated, you know, in your illustrations? Because a lot of people don't, you know, think back that far. Well, okay, I, I looked a little bit. When you think about Justin Bieber, what do you think about? Not good. 
he is a Christian guy, but uh, I, I looked it up, okay, and I was checking it out with the youth. It's, he has the song, baby, baby, oh, baby, baby, I thought you were always mine. <laughs> and uh, so, so that's what he's famous for. How about Taylor Swift? Anybody know anything that Taylor Swift would sing? Not in this crowd. Okay, this is for the audience out there. <laughs> we are never getting back together. I'm telling you, never, ever, ever getting back together. You told me you needed some space. Now you tell me you love me. We're never, ever going to get back together. Okay, that's what she's famous for. If you t put it on Google, say, what is Taylor Swift famous for? That's it right there, okay? See, all these people had memorable moments. And I want to ask you, what is your memorable moment in this life? What can, when you get to heaven, they will say, oh, here's Gina. She was believing for her husband for over six months to come out of, uh, you know, the hospital. She stood and believed God, Amen. There's Cecilia. She raised two beautiful boys that came to, to serve the Lord all the days of their life. What are you memorable for? What, what, what have you done in your life that you can say, God, this is a, a signature moment in my life? Now, we all can learn from the Bible stories about what they did. It's, it's an example to us. So let's take a little run through the Bible, okay? Are you ready with this? Uh, Adam and Eve. What are they famous for? They ate the, they ate the fruit, in the, the forbidden fruit in the garden, right? Now, this is man's first act of disobedience. But before we cast the first stone, have you ever been disobedient to the Lord? Have you, has God ever told you to do something and you just went right ahead and did it anyway? So what part of don't eat the fruit didn't they understand, right? <laughs> what part of the don't date that guy did you not understand, right? What were you thinking? Well, Adam said, the wife that you gave me, she told me. Now, sometimes you can't listen to your wife, I tell you. That, that's, that's, so, sometimes you'll get in trouble. Sometimes your wives, you can't listen to your husband. <laughs> you know, sometimes you're right and sometimes you're wrong. That's just the way it goes. Right? But you come together and you get a mutual agreement. I know when we first got married, uh, we were pretty set in our ways. So I wanted to do it one way and she wanted to do it another way. So I said, well, let's do this. We'll do it my way and then we'll do it your way. And actually, she went first. So she, we did it her way and it came out. It worked out. I go like, how did that happen? Then we did it my way and it worked out. And she said, how could that possibly work? She said, the Lord was probably with you on that one. So, so it's not who's right or wrong, but what? When you come into agreement, that's when things happen. So Adam blamed Eve, Eve bl uh, blamed the serpent, and the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on, right? <laughs> he had no excuse. How about Noah? What's he, no what's he noted for? He built an ark. Pretty big one, wasn't it? Like a football field and a half. People laughed at him, didn't they? Have people laughed at you when God told you to do something and you did it and they, they couldn't believe that it happened? Uh, now, there, you know how long it took Adam, I mean Noah, to build this ark? A hundred years. That's a long, a hundred years. That's more than our lifetime. That was his life project, building the ark. And I'm, I suppose there were kids that were making fun of him, going, say. Noah, what, there is no water here, Noah. Well, why are you building this big ark? You can't float this thing, right? 
generations after generations, kid would say, let's go, let's go tease Noah a little bit. And uh, they, they did a song about him. Did you know that? It says, uh, the Lord told Noah to build him an arky, arky. The Lord told Noah to build him an arky, arky. Build it out of barky, barky, the children of the Lord. So they used to sing that song, right? Well, I have a neighbor, just moved in not too long ago, and I, I drove by his house. I've, I've been acquaintances with him, and, and he has this boat out in the street, and I said, Noah, <laughs> there's no water here. What are you doing with this boat? He said, well, I'm going to take it to the ocean. I said, well, where are you going to store it? He said, I'm going to put it put a groove on the side of my house, you know, shave the hill a little bit, make a driveway and slip it in there. And I go, okay, you still got to drive an hour to the beach. He goes, yeah, but I'm a sailor. I like to do that kind of stuff. I didn't laugh, <laughs> but I keep watching. How is he going to do that? I'm sure they were looking at Noah. How is he going to get that boat? into the ocean. And then when it rained, they started knocking on the door. I, we want in, we want in, we want in, but to no avail. Now, one thing about Noah, he was the only one in the world, along with his family, that God saved. He was the only one righteous. Isn't that amazing? Everybody's sinning, but he's not. In this world, we have people sinning all around us, don't we? Just turn on the TV, go through the mag magazine stand, you know, listen to people talk. Listen to the uh, Academy Awards. Craziness all around us, but God wants us to still stay righteous. So we can learn from that. How about Ab Abraham and Sarah? What are they famous for? Leaving uh, to, to a place where God had for them, but then also as well, they had a baby in their old age. Amazing, isn't it? But they had to regroup because they, they laughed. When God said, you're going to have a child, they did what? Laughed. <laughs> and God said, uh, I hear you're laughing. They go, oh, no, no, we're, we weren't laughing. Oh, yes, you were. And in Romans 4, 19 through 21, it says, And not being weak in faith, Abraham considered not his own body that was about 100 years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. And he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And he became fully persuaded that that which he has promised, he was able also to perform. Break it down. He considered not his own body, his own situations. He staggered not at the promises of God, but he became fully persuaded. Isn't that what we have to do? He's called the father of faith because of that. We have to be the same way. When circumstances don't look like they're going to work out, that we have to still stand strong on the promises of God, saying, God, you promised it, you said it, I'm standing on it, and I'm believing it, and I'm waiting for it to happen. Amen? We have that story about the man that had a little boy that was playing out in the playground, and he hurt his knee, and he came in and said, Dad, I hurt my knee. Can you pray for me? He said, sure. He prayed for him. And the son said, well, it still hurts. He said, well, go play a little bit more, and the manifestation will, will come. And he said, okay. So he went out and played a little bit and came back and said, Dad, it still hurts. He said, well, we're waiting for the manifestation. He was okay. So he went out and played for some, a little longer and came back and said, Dad, when is the man from the station going to get here? Because I cannot take this pain. 
<laughs> we have times where we have to believe. And I, I listen to people that you know do great miracles. They go to countries. There's one guy. He went to India 24 times, and he saw the dead raised, blind eyes open, ears uh, popped open as well, eyes eyes you could see. But he had a growth on his face, melanoma. Is that how you say it? Melanoma. And so he had this big tumor on his face, a growth. And, you know, he was praying and praying and praying and confessing the word. You ever been there? And nothing happens? What do you do? Give up? No. Call God a liar? No way. You keep believing. So his wife told him, listen, you need to believe God and not be so fearful about what can happen. Only three things can happen. God's going to deliver you or you'll have surgery or, but the third thing is, whatever you do, don't fear. So she prayed for him and the fear left and he kept believing God, believing God. And the two days before the surgery date that he had planned, he started, it started flaking off his face. He goes, oh, that's unusual. The night before he was supposed to have the surgery, it was completely gone. It was all in his bed. And he went and told the doctors, look what, I'm, I'm healed. I don't need the surgery. They couldn't believe it. They couldn't understand how that possibly could be. I mean, you talk about cutting it close. I can remember when I had the, the lump on my throat for cancer, and I was in the doctor's office, and I was praying and praying and confessing, and uh, Maggie knows I did it like all day long, and finally she just said, aren't you healed yet? What's taking you so long? I go, just don't bother me, okay? <laughs> and she would have that song, everything's going to be all right, it's going to be all right, going to be all right. I said, yeah, but I still got to pray and believe. And I was in the doctor's office, and I'd heard the tape about this one guy that prayed for a tumor, and he said he felt the tumor just melt under his fingers. And I said, oh, I like that. So I was praying in the doctor's office, and just before they called me, guess what? The tumor uh, kind of dissipated on my throat. And I went in, I told the doctor, hey, doc, look what happened. He goes, how'd you do that? I go, I cast it into the sea. The Bible says, <laughs> when you pray, believe that you receive it, right? Speak to the mountain, cast it into the sea, and do not doubt in your heart. He goes, you must be some kind of Oral Roberts guy. I go, yeah, that, I, I learned from him. So Abraham was the father of faith, but guess what? He lied twice. Have you ever lied? Oh, yeah. Praise God. Even when you were a Christian, you lie, right? And you go, oh, I didn't mean to say that. Somehow it came out. But God helped him, even in his lie. Then he offered up, he's also known for offering up his son Isaac, right? Could you do that? Uh, Criselda, could you offer up uh, Mr. Friends? Let, let's go do that and see what happens. No. <laughs> when God told him to do how heartbreaking was that? But he did it willfully, joyfully, knowing that God would be able to raise him up again, right? How about Jacob? He was a what? A trickster. You ever been a trickster? You know? Not I. <laughs> he tricked his brother. Have you ever deceived someone? He had to repent and make it right. He had to wrestle with God. Have you ever done something and, and you know what? You shouldn't have done it. And God comes to you in the night season and says, you know, why did you do that? Well, I was, I, I had to because of this, this circumstance would have happened. He said, you didn't need to lie. You didn't, I was going to protect you. I was going to take care of you. 
And then you go back and forth. Well, I didn't know I had to do this. And you don't know that person. And then you wrestle with God all, all day long. You ever do that? And then you wake up in the morning and everything's taken care of. You go like, how did that happen? God wrestles with our personality, with our character, with the way we do things, our, our motives, and our integrity. He wants to have integrity from us. And so he wrestled and he got, he got uh, delivered. How about Moses? Moses did, what's he, what's he famous for? Parting the, Parting the Red Sea. That's a good one, isn't it? Now, I wonder if Moses actually looks like Charlton Heston. I don't know. What do you think? I would be disappointed if he didn't. <laughs> he probably looks better than Charlton Heston, right? But I guess Moses messed up. He spoke ill-advisedly with his lips. He struck the rock instead of speaking to it. And God told him, you, you, the children of Israel can go in the promised land, but you can't. Ouch. You ever do something <laughs> when you're a kid and your mom says you're grounded and the kids come by and say, okay, we're going to go to the party. Can you go? No, I can't go. I'm grounded. The children of Israel said to Moses, we're ready to go in the promised land. Come on. No, I'm grounded. <laughs> I can't go in. So he messed up. Now, other people in the Bible, Samson got tricked by Delilah, didn't, she, didn't he? Now, he should have known better. Three times she tricked him, and he didn't, he, he, he didn't fall for it. There's a reason why he didn't tell her the truth the first time. Why? He didn't trust her. She was no good, but he, she wore, wore him out day after day. You don't love me. Tell me your secret. And finally, his emotions got a hold of him. Not his brain, his emotions. And he told the story. And so, you know, it's funny. Not everybody knows the story. I was talking to one of my friends. I had to tell him the story of Samson and Delilah. How, how would anybody not know that story? I don't know. How about Jonah in the, well, in the belly of the whale, right? That's what he was uh, noted for. Have you ever tried to run away from God? How silly is that? The Bible says, though I go to the depths, I'm there with you. If you go to the farthest ocean, I am there. You can't get away from me. What was Jonah thinking? Well, what do we think when we do something and we try to hide ourselves, hide from God? He can't see me. He doesn't know what I'm, gonna, what I'm doing. He even knows what you're thinking, let alone what you're doing. But we have to learn from the, what, what am I getting to? What is your memorable moment? What have you done? What uh, it, does God want you to do? A couple more people. Daniel in the lion's den. That's a pretty good thing. He was older. You can see that he's older. You think the devil gets, t gets tired of tempting you? No, he'll wait. He, if you get old, he'll still be there to tempt you. Even in your old age, I've known some ministers that do well all their lives, and then towards the end, they do something stupid. Even Solomon did something stupid, right? He was supposed to be the wisest man in all the earth, but yet he got taken away by his wives who were worshiping foreign gods. What's up with that? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. We, we're not worried about you, O king. Throw us in. Our God is able, and he will. Deliver us out of this fiery furnace. I will not bow down. You know, in today's age, we have to really take a stand. People are being persecuted for their beliefs. I know uh, I do the prayer for the city council meetings, and uh, there's people that are coming, and they're, um, 
not coming, but they're, they're writing public comments criticizing the fact that we have a Christian prayer at the beginning of the council meeting. We had to look it up in the Supreme Court ruling, found out that it is perfectly legal to do that. So every week, you know, they're attacking. Christianity is being attacked. Uh, how about David, a man after God's own heart? He wrote a lot of psalm, psalms. One of them was, search me, O Lord, and find if there's any wicked way in me. You ever prayed that prayer? Oh, there's plenty, plenty of wicked stuff in there, even though you cover it up and pretend like it's not there. It's in there, right? <laughs> how about Mary? Mary, the Son of God. What, what was her claim to fame? What was the thing that she said? Be it unto me according to your word. Can we, I would like to, I would like to meet Mary. Wouldn't you like to meet Mary when you get to heaven? Mary, you're, you were really a holy girl, weren't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, we have a, I had a friend when I was growing up. Her name was Mary Murphy. And I told my family about her. I go, this girl is perfect. Everything she does, everything she says is perfect. She comes to class, she's dressed perfectly, she doesn't talk, she obeys, she says the nice things all the time. And they said, well, how can she be perfect? I don't know, she just is. So we had a, a high school reunion, I took my wife and I said, this is Mary Murphy. And she talked with her for a little while, she goes, yeah, she's uh, kind of perfect. <laughs> so I'd like to meet Mary. So I, one of the questions was, if you, when you get to heaven, besides Jesus, who would you like to meet? Who, would you, who, who interests you the most? Whose life was memorable to you? Who would you want to see in heaven? I know one person I'd like to see in heaven is me. <laughs> but after that, who, who would you want to see out of this list of people, right? How about Peter? Peter was, what, always denying the Lord or... Uh, answering first, but then later denied the Lord. He was probably a, you know, a, what do you call it? Uh, adventurous type guy. You know, a lot of fun. A lot of energy. He'd be interesting to meet, wouldn't he be? How about uh, Paul the Revelator, who knew about Jesus? He found out the mystery of what Jesus meant to us when we uh, read about him. He told us what Je Jesus made an open door for us to be just like him. That would be good. How about Enoch, the man who walked with God? Then, wouldn't that be interesting? How about Rahab the harlot? like to know her. The woman at the well, the paralyzed man that was let down through the roof. So my question is, when you get to heaven, are they going to say, oh, there's Letitia. She was a faithful woman of God. She prayed. She was out and she did things in the community, right? Find out what God wants you to do. It's written in a book. And when you find it, do it. Step out in faith. Believe that God is going to empower you to do what he's called you to do. You're not a spare part in his plan. You're not a leftover. You're not just somebody that he has, uh, you know, with, without a purpose, you know, they used to say that God loves you. He has a plan for you. And I used to think, you mean a general plan? No, a specific plan exactly for what he wants you to do. And we have to fulfill that so that he can say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Praise God. Now, I want to 
as I close, I want to give you a couple of scriptures to show you how particular, how precise Jesus is and the Father is about looking at what we do. Let's look at this. In Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21, it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and, rest, and rust does destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves, what? Treasures in heaven where moths and, and um, it says vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. He said, don't worry about this world, this life. You know, how big your house is, how nice your car is, how big your retirement is. That's not even gonna count when you hit heaven. He's gonna say, what have you done? What treasures have you brought up? What things have you done in my name? Look at this, Matthew 10, 42. If anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my, my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. There's a reward for every little thing we do when we give a cup of cold water to a child. God said, I'm watching that, I'm seeing it, and I'm going to give you a reward for that. Praise God. I, I know when I first got saved, I said, Lord, don't come, don't come yet. I haven't got any rewards. I haven't done anything for you in my whole life. Please don't come yet. Matthew 10, 29 says, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father's will? In other words, not only does God see it, He is giving the permission for that to happen. How, how minuscule and how exact and how under microscope is this whole world to God? Have you heard that expression that even uh, God knows the number of hairs on your head? Can we get a little more specific? In verse 30, it says, but the very hairs of your head are what? Numbered. Not only does he know the total, but he knows each and every one of the hairs, and he's concerned about it. All the time. He says, my thoughts towards you are more numerous than the sands on the seashore. Do we have a God that is concerned about our lives? Does, do we have a God that is waiting and watching for us to do things for him? Last scripture in Hebrews 6.10. For God is not unjust forget to forget your work and labor of love, which, he has sown, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. He is not going to forget your work and labor of love, everything that you do. If you're in children's church, if you're a greeter, if you're helping somebody in your neighborhood, if you're helping one of your family members, whatever you do, you have a reward. So guess what? Do something. <laughs> Lord, what do you want me to do? You know, and it takes a little bit of effort, but if you keep your spiritual eyes open, you'll see things happen. Praise God. So I'm going to finish with this little poem. You ready? Good, I'm glad. Okay. Only One Life is the name of this poem. Two little lines I heard one day traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn and from the world now let me turn.
living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only when life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. A couple more. Only one life, yes, only one. Soon with, with its fleeting hours will be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep in joy or sorrow, thy word to keep. Faithful and true, whatever the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for encouraging us to do those things that would please you, that we can be memorable in your sight and do some things that are groundbreaking and, and according to what you have written in your book concerning our lives. So Father, help us and teach us to follow your path, to know those things that you want us to do, to be observant to those around us, to be thoughtful and creative in all that we do. Father, give us that, that desire and that will to do it, to please you. In Jesus' name we pray and all agreed said, amen. amen. I want to thank those of you that are saved. If you're not saved and you're listening to this program, uh, know that you can accept Jesus as easy as speaking it out of your mouth. So let's speak it out of our mouths right now. Father God, I thank you for your son, Jesus. He died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. I ask you to come into my heart, be Lord of my life, and guide me all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need to rededicate, God has got his hands wide open to you, and he says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you strayed away, just say, Lord, forgive me. Bring me back into the fold. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you.